broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, it's the Freight 360 Podcast. From freight broker sales tips to sports talk, this podcast is all about helping you grow as a freight broker. We're your hosts, Nate Cross and Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 173 of the Freight 360 Podcast, and Happy New Year officially. Welcome to 2023. Ben, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing well. We are back well into Florida weather. It's beautiful. Got a chance to get on my bike for the first time in like two years today. It's like 90. So we had our nice, nice little three days or four days of winter. It's nice to be back to. Yeah, we. it's so weird. We had seven feet of snow and then it melted. And then we got four feet of snow in a blizzard and it's all melted again. We're in the 50s this week. So with lot, lots of rain. It's a really strange uh winter for us. But hey, welcome back. It's going to be a great episode on finding shippers now that everyone's back in their New Year swing and, and looking at uh, setting goals and all that good stuff and trying to get their numbers boosted up. So um, make sure to hit that subscribe button. That way you're getting the latest content from us, whether it's on YouTube or iTunes or Spotify or SoundCloud, wherever you're getting our content. It's dropping every single Friday. Make sure to leave that review or a comment on YouTube or iTunes or wherever you're listening to us and share us with all your friends. We had a monumental year of growth. I know we shared some stats last year. It was uh, it was a good closeout to 2022. We helped a lot of people. So we hope, hope to do the same thing this year and in, in 2023. So um, quick sports recap. The biggest news, obviously, the uh, you know, I gave my predictions on the Bills and Bengals game, which has not actually finished. Obviously, there's some sad news about uh, DeMar Hamlin, safety for the the Bills, who suffered not one, but two instances of cardiac arrest. I don't know if you heard the latest news on this. No, uh, I didn't. So he he tackled T. Higgins uh, in the first quarter. Cincinnati is up 7-3 to against the Bills. Uh, Cincinnati is on an offensive drive, completed pass to T. Higgins, and DeMar – Ends up uh, tackling him. Looks like he's all good. Gets up and then uh, he just goes down lifeless. His heart essentially stopped and then they revived him with CPR, got him to the hospital and apparently it stopped to get out of the hospital. Got him on a ventilator, life support. Um, the good news is as of today, Wednesday, the 4th of January, he his ventilator usage went from 100% assist and breathing down to 50%. And they're looking like That's he's going to have... You know, he's going to have... Uh, you know, not a worst case scenario. We still don't know, but the game still has not been rescheduled. It's not going to happen this week. Um, so the next games we're going to be seeing are, uh, it's going to be strange because you got week 18, the final week to determine playoff seating, and it'll be unknown how it ends. Are they going to resume the game the following week? Are they going to just cancel it? Are they going to call it a tie? No one really knows. Well, you guys could get, get screwed, right? Like if What's they. That? If they don't play it, you don't have the opportunity to get a bye week in the playoffs, right? You have that, to. Yeah, it's correct. Yeah, yeah, it would look. It would look like. Um, well, I think if they don't play it, it would probably, I would imagine it would be a Bills uh, forfeit, which would give Cincinnati the win, and then um, Kansas City would most likely have the one seed. Bills would fall to three, um, but who knows? Yeah, it's really up in the air at this point. They haven't really said much about it. Um, we'll be following that. And he grew up in know. Pittsburgh, by the way. Not only did he play for Pitt, but he grew up in McKee's Rocks. I mean, there's been a ton on social media support from Pittsburgh, and you know, 
just he's done a lot too. I'd read with kids and charities and things from college all the way through, you know, into the NFL. So I mean, dude, the crazy thing too, and so I Steelers, right? Mike Tomlin gave a nice uh, shout out and speech about him yeah. during a press conference. But so his uh, Demar Hamlin's charity he created like two years ago when he was first getting into the league. He had a goal to raise twenty five hundred dollars for like a toys for kids and stuff like that. And everyone just started donating and it's like over like $5 million right now. So Mm -hmm. it's absolutely insane. Um, But we'll see how that all pans out. Steelers got a win on Sunday night in prime time there. Well, great going into the two. Well, I mean, great ending final few minutes pulled out in the final drive. It's nice to see the quarterback. You know what I mean? Coming into his own, making progress through the year and shit being at 500. I mean, that's a hell of a way to go from two and six. You guys could, you guys could get, get in the, the playoffs, playoffs man. You I think the it? Dolphins have to beat the Jets, right? And then we got a playoff spot. You no, know, you want the Dolphins to lose and the Patriots to lose, which would put them both at eight and nine. And if you guys win, that puts you at nine and eight and slides you into the seven spot. Buffalo is playing New England this weekend. As of now, they're playing New England this weekend. There's, there's even been talk about Buffalo forfeiting the last two games. Who knows what's going to happen, but. Um, there's a chance, man. There's a, there's a shot. So you're saying there's a chance. You're saying there's a chance, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, looking forward to a good, good, uh, heading into the postseason here. And, um, obviously a healthy recovery for DeMar Hamlin, but, yep. um, also I got a question for you on sports. I was, I was in Tennessee visiting my corporate headquarters a couple weeks ago, and these guys are all showing me clips of Formula One. Have you ever watched it? Yes. In fact, I was at the first Formula One race in the United States. I was like 16 or 17, and my next door neighbors were, you know, big into cars and racing. And we drove from Pittsburgh, me and my next door neighbor and his dad, to the Formula One race at Indy. One of the coolest sporting events I've ever been to in my life. We were, and the one thing that I'll remember forever, our Hope Motel was probably, I want to say three, four, maybe five miles from the brickyard from the track. And I'll never forget being woken up by the cars warming up in the morning. It sounded like when they shift gears, it sounded like a gun was firing, like in the parking lot. I remember waking up because we didn't know where we were. Like we'd never been to Indianapolis. I'm like, what the hell's going on outside? I'm like, we're nowhere near the racetrack. I'm like, are those guns? You like open the door and you could hear the cars from that far away. Like it was wild. They'll go wow. up to like 140, 150, 190, and then down to 30 miles an hour in like a hundred yards. It's insane. That is, yeah, that's wild, man. Yeah, it was crazy. Cool. Really cool. Don't follow it much anymore, but I mean, it was one of the coolest. I got a buddy here, lives in our building. There's a huge F1 fan since the Netflix series came out. I was going to say, I was told if I watch the Netflix series, I'm going to be hooked on it. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I got a bunch of other stuff to watch before I can add that on my plate. But anyway, uh, let's give a shout out to our friends at DAT and we're going to hop into a great episode here. Taking the guesswork out of freight with DAT, the DAT Loadboard Network is the largest on-demand freight marketplace in North America, connecting freight brokers with available capacity on any lane. Grow your business with tools that allow you to find new business partners, plus you can quickly qualify and onboard new carriers. With the industry's leading freight rate data, you can make clear and confident pricing decisions. Check out the show notes for a free Excuse me, month of DAT Power Express or Trucker's Edge, soon to be DAT one. Yes, and, and some of you have already seats seen the roll license. Yeah. use that as well. You get a yep. free month. So, yep. 
So we're in a new year and historically everyone makes, you know, these big goals and uh, New Year's resolutions and all this stuff. And that's why we, we wanted to kick off the year talking about finding shippers and um, things that you could do, especially now in the market versus how it might have been different last year or six months ago or whenever the last time you put a big emphasis on, on prospecting was. Um I'm curious in your in your past experience was there a big push at the beginning of the year like I'm going to go out there I'm going to here's my new prospecting goals I want to get land x amount of new customers uh cuz I mean we even we talked to somebody yesterday and they had set this like these kind of almost outlandish goals um but one of the goals was to close a certain amount of shippers was there ever a big push in your experience at the beginning of the year? Yeah, I mean, I think there's always a big push for the goals and everybody talking about the targets. And the thing that I, and I wanted to lead the show of this, I'm glad we started with this, was just to take a brief minute to talk about what you just said, right? What is a goal, but how do you set it in a way that you can actually achieve it, right? Because almost everybody starts with, that's where I want to go, or that's the amount of money I want to make, right? And then it's usually, that's about it. Maybe they'll check in once a month, maybe a couple weeks, maybe once a quarter and go, how close am I to where I wanted to be, right? Now, again, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not very effective because that to me is like the equivalent of going, I want to go to Buffalo and then never looking at a map, never planning to go there and just hoping I randomly somehow end up and see you sometime this year. And if I don't, I go, oh, I didn't hit my goal. Well, what we kind of recommend, what we teach, and this isn't new, but like smart goals, anybody can just Google this, but it's just, All of your goals should not only be specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and have a time frame. But most importantly, once you have all those criteria, you need to talk or at least work through with yourself. If you don't have a coach, work through it with your manager, anybody you trust. What is the roadmap to get there look like? And all that means is what are the controllables, the things you actually are doing to get you from where you are to where you want to be? Because if you made... 15 prospecting calls a week and you do the same thing this year, I mean, you're not likely to be anywhere much different than you ended up last year. And I think that's where most people don't spend enough effort or time, you know, hashing out what is the path to get there and then holding themselves accountable to it. Right. Which is the most important part. Yeah. And this is going to weave good into our conversation today, because when we talk about where to find these shippers, if all you did last year was send LinkedIn messages and it didn't really work out for you, or all you did was send emails cold to somebody it's and you didn't get the results you wanted, you're not going to see, you're not likely going to see different results this year because you're doing the same thing, right? <clears throat> yep. You know, you could, you could do the same thing as last year. And maybe the only difference is that you, your pitch or the way you present yourself or your level of confidence or your efficiency is a little bit better, but your methodology of doing it is really what you want to tweak. And it could be the sources that you're using to find these, these leads. Mm -hmm. It could be, uh, Hey, now I have some customers and I can tap into that referral side of the business that I didn't have access to last year. It could be that I've got, now I've got access to a new database like zoom info or Thomas net or, uh, reference USA or whatever that database is that you didn't have last year, this is where you want to tweak that and try to figure out what sources are yielding me the best, most fruitful outcomes. And you want to keep snowballing that until you get yep. yourself to a place where prospecting is easy for you. I will go back a little bit 
to like 101 level and say kind of before you're there and everything you said is absolutely you know spot on is before you're there when you're picking your target again back to kind of like all right i want to be 50 percent bigger right or 200 percent bigger whatever your growth goal is right the thing that is also i think important to ask yourself is if you want to do more meaning you want to get more out of the business it's not that crazy to think to ask yourself the question are you willing to do more work to get there? And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that have said, I want to double my business. But when you sit down and outline a plan with them and go, okay, you're 30 prospecting calls a day, four days a week, we need to up this to 60. And they go, but that's too much. And I don't really want to do that. Now that's the question, right? If you're not willing to do more, why are you expecting to get more out of the business? And there's just so many people that just expect to do the exact same thing every day that they've done last year or the year before, or maybe every year for three years. And now all of a sudden they're like, well, I'm not happy with what I've earned. Well, what are you willing to give up to get there? Because guess what? Something else is filling that time, whether it's walking your dog, playing with your kids or watching TV. I don't know what it's being filled with, but the point is more inputs need to go in to get more outputs out of it to grow. And I think that's an overlooked piece as well. Yep. That's that's exactly right. And I'll I'll hit the I'll hit this point home where you can control the number of times that you pick up the phone or make a follow up call or send a text or an email. Right. You can't control if a customer is going to convert or you can't guarantee they're going to give you a load or they're going to be profitable or stick around. You could cover it or any of those things. But you can control the input side of that, increasing your odds of reaching these goals. So I want to start off with um, some, you know, I kind of, I grouped these into like three groups, but by no means does, you know, is this like doctrinal or anything like that? It's just where we're going to start. So existing customers tend to be a great way to look at how I can prospect. Because if I'm, if I'm not in my first year, my first day of brokering, and I already have some existing business, that's where I'm going to start, okay? And this that could be um, trying to get more lanes out of your existing customer. Maybe you're trying to look at additional locations that they have. Um, you're trying to work, look at your existing customers, look at their competitors that might run similar types of freight. Or another one, I just talked to somebody earlier today about this. If you have a customer that is running a lot of, a lot of you know, a to B lanes and you've got a lot of carriers that are hauling that consistently and they want backhauls. Well, use that knowledge of that existing business and prospect backhauls in that destination city. So if I'm going from, um, we'll say I'm going from North Carolina to Colorado and now I got all these carriers that they're finding backhauls on their own back to North Carolina, I'm going to start prospecting freight that fits their equipment type in that Colorado area. Right. If I can get round trip business and reduce the empty mileage, then I can truly call a, a prospect and tell them that I do, in fact, have trucks in the area. Yes. I'm not just saying that. Right. That's I had a customer. And again, like I'll give you an even lower hanging fruit to grab. Right. Is ask your carriers that are picking up for you where they're getting their reloads out of. Right. And they'll often just give you the answer. Like I used to run a lot of lanes when I ran steel that were all like that because they would either come off a boat and go to the steel mills or they would come out of a plant and go to the same steel mills. So it's all same origination and they would go to, you know, a handful of destinations and just every day. Right. 
five to 15 to 25 loads a day, all the same. Well, that's exactly what we ended up with was we started asking our drivers, where are you getting your reloads out of? Where would you like to get reloads? Do you know of shippers that you want business from? Are you seeing loads? Are people talking about loads? They know they've been going up there. Like you said, their dispatchers are pulling loads off the load boards. They know which ones they like going to and which ones they don't. And then not only can you call them and tell them exactly what you said, the truth, which is you do have capacity going there. You know the times of the week the volume of the air drivers are going there, but also you can name drop that some of your carriers have picked up from there, right? Hey, a couple of my guys loved working out of your facility. In fact, the way I got your number was two of them loaded there last Tuesday and they said, ask your driver what the guy at the loading dock's name was. So you got somebody to name drop. Oh, Jimmy, my, my driver, Paul said, Jimmy was fantastic. He was great to deal with, really respectable, you know, no issues. Just wanted to see if you could utilize some of the other guys we're sending up to your area. Now you might get a yes, you might get a no, but you're probably going to open up a, a conversation, which is always the hardest first step, right? Yeah. I mean, so another thing too, when you, whether you're talking to a brand new customer that you're trying to get backhauls out of, or you're talking to your existing customer, trying to get more lanes out of them or another branch or location of theirs, trying to get business out of a new rep over there, you have to ask for the business. And I think that's yes. one of the things that people are there. It's the same as that first cold call you make. You're like, well, I'm afraid of getting rejected. You have to get over that, right? You yes. have a legitimate reason to be calling them because you always want to have a reason why you're calling somebody, not just, hi, my name is John at ABC Logistics and I have trucks. No, you don't. You, you can actually say like, hey, I know we've done a great job working these lanes for you guys. And I, the carriers that I'm I'm working with consistently, they've got more capacity and they want to they want to move a lot more freight for you guys because you guys have a great facility to get in and out of. What other lanes are you working on that we can assist you with? That's yeah. asking for the business. It could be, hey, I know you guys have 20 other branches throughout the country. Do you, you know, do you work with any of the other branches in your company? Or you get, you start talking about are you already set up nationally in their in their headquarters where you're already greenlit in their system to work for the other 20 branches and who do they know at the other branches that they can introduce you to? These are great low-hanging fruit, and they're extremely hot leads for you. I can't tell you how many calls I've been on, like literally in my career as a broker, not even as a coach, where I've been second voice as a manager or with a colleague, and we're trying to figure out to penetrate an account, right? Whether it's quarterly or annually, right? And we've been on the phone, and we've said to you know a manager or a little bit higher up than the person sending the load sometimes is, Hey, you know, we've got similar thing to what you just said, right? I don't need to repeat it. And what we found was, or even this, just this question alone is what other areas could you possibly need some capacity in? And I've literally heard people that have worked with their customers for years, two, three years. And the other person on the phone said, Oh, wait a minute. You guys work other lanes. We thought you just wanted to work the lanes that we've been running with you. We need a ton of help over here. Do you guys actually load trucks in the Northwest? And we're like, well, yeah, like we deal with trucks all over North America. You guys didn't know that. And this is it like, you know, one of the big box brokerages. And you just start to assume that, again, to your point, the other person knows you want to do more business with them. A lot of times their brokers and carriers, they don't want any more of it. And from the shipper's point of view, if you're not asking them, they're not actively going to just say, hey, I need help in this completely other area of the country that we've never talked about. They don't know you have capacity there or that you even are willing to provide it there. Exactly. So you've got to put forward that because if you don't, you can't go any deeper in your relationship, right? I always kind of say that like with existing customers, you can grow two ways. You can penetrate them forward going deeper, meaning if you're doing 5% of their freight, you can always add another percentage point. 
Or you can go wider, just like you alluded to, right? Different locations. You're probably already greenlit for other locations you aren't even aware of because they use some centralized um, procurement system where all of the carriers are shared by every location. And it's like, you have customers. You don't even know you have customers yet. (laughs) Yeah, here's another one too. So some of these customers that use third-party TMS platforms for bidding on their freight, you can oftentimes, if you're already set up in those in those platforms, you can see any other shipper or mm-hmm. supplier that uses that system yep. that you, you can apply to set up and bid on their freight as well. So like there's one called Uroute that I've used in the past for a mushroom company. And we look in there and it's like, oh, there's all these other companies in this TMS that utilize this platform to manage their shipping bids and all their billing and all that stuff. So you could, there's so many creative ways you can try to penetrate new business um, based off of the existing business that you have and um, referrals, right? Like it it could be, they have a buddy that works at, you know, it's it's, the way you say it's going to depend on your, your methodology and your pitch, but it's, who else do you know that I can help in the same way that I'm helping you? And you've got to, you've got to, put your own spin on that. But for all you, you don't know, it could be that the guy that you are working with or the girl that you're working with at this shipper has a cousin or a buddy that works across town at another place doing something similar, right? Uh, It could be that they have a good relationship with their inbound suppliers, but they're not controlling the freight, but Hey, I'm going to go. I just got name dropped by my guy or girl here. I'm going to go call and name drop them and boom, try to get some inbound freight for them. There's all kinds of ways to look at this creatively and try to get some more business and some more action here. There was a stat I remember seeing, and I have no idea if this is true, but even if it's remotely true, it was still that referrals close at like 60 times the closing rate of a cold lead, right? Which is like, I don't know, like 60,000, I guess, 60 times. I don't know. I mean, I don't do public math, but it's a lot. And what I learned really quickly when I was learning how to do exactly what we're talking about was you can also just artificially create your own referral, right? Because again, it's only used to literally open the door. Once you're in the door, nobody is vetting it and really caring. And I'm not suggesting anybody lies, but again, you could be prospecting. And we talked about this in other episodes just say you're prospecting, you know, steel coils and you call a company in Houston, you learn their name, you learn the gatekeeper and you learn a little bit about them over a couple of calls. Well, when you call their competitors, you don't have to say you work with them. I've used that and just called another company that I know knows them because they're in the proximity and their competitors and just said, hey, you know, I was just speaking with Sally over at ABC Coil. She said they've been having a hell of a time getting trucks out to Odessa. You guys having some of those issues? I know you work in some of the same circles. You're in the same industry. How's that been? Now, yeah. They're going to assume that I work with them. They're my customer and everything. But all I really need to do is to open the door and to get their guard down. And it gives that, you relevance because you understand yes. their space in the arena that they're playing in for sure. 100%. You're not just somebody's buddy that you know works in brokerage that they're trying to get on board, right? Like yeah. you're dropping things in a relevant fashion to help move the ball forward. So speaking of steel, I actually I, I played around with this this morning because the, the next one I want to talk through is is networking. And we kind of talked about that with referrals in the last little bit here, but um, there are a lot of places where folks in different niche industries network. And for example, LinkedIn is one of them. So I played around with it earlier today and I just went in and I searched for LinkedIn groups and I typed in like steel workers, steel companies, 
And I think I still got it pulled up here. Yeah, I found um, Structural Steel Professionals, 8,000 members. Um, Steel Portal, 3,000 members. Structural Steel Contracts, 3,000 members. And these are places where you can join these groups and kind of start to understand what conversations are happening there, learn about some upcoming projects, maybe some issues that they're having. You're a fly on the wall in a conversation of people talking about, they don't care about transportation necessarily, but they're talking about what's going on in their industry. And you could take that steel example and replicate that across produce, across beverage. I mean, doesn't matter what it is. There's likely a group. It could be Facebook. It could be LinkedIn. There's just so many of them. Trade, uh, like trade show and trade shows and trade organizations and just online communities where you can network. It doesn't all have to be face to face. A lot of times these folks have like virtual conferences where they hopped in, they hop into like um, a webinar and you can get access to the entire list of attendees. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to go about just massive reach with very, very little effort. And those are huge, right? And I mean, just the two that jumped out of me that I've been talking to somebody about in the past two weeks, one, steel, the other, oil and gas. Both of those industries are very heavily influenced by what's going on in their individual markets, right? Gas, huge. What the price of oil is doing is determining whether or not they're drilling, buying more pipe, or they're not doing anything at all, right? Yep. Steel, same thing. If imports are up, then domestic production's down. You're going to have different things happen with transportation. And being able to speak to those things, even at a very, you know, shallow level to just, you know, kind of weave them into a conversation makes you, again, sound not only sound relevant, but you are relevant. And the fact that, like, you are bringing, you know, industry knowledge into that conversation, you're adding credibility, your reputation goes up. And again, like, that's what people are looking for in vendors of any kind of vendor, whether it's shipping or not. They want their vendors to understand their business as well as you understand theirs. And that's really what helps differentiate you from everybody else cold calling them and saying the same shit every day. Hey, you got a load? I got trucks. Nope. Bye. Call yep. back in the next week. Hey, I'm calling to check in. What the, like, what does that mean? Like, you know how frustrating that is when I would sit in a room and hear people calling every week on just calling to check in the person answering just the phone like, base. Touch base. What the hell does that even mean? Like, I'm still alive. Okay. Weather's nice, but I'm pretty busy. Have a good one. And then they put in their notes, follow it up. That is not a follow up, right? Like, yeah, you, you want to, your follow up should have some reason behind it. Oh, wow. um, like, you brought up oil. And I want to, I just pulled it up to get a, to get some context. Um, so, folks understand oil companies, I mean, they're going to always want to drill and make money, but the, when oil costs more, they're going to have higher profits. That's just the nature of the business, right? Even if they just maintain the same percentage, their profit dollar per barrel is going to go up, right? So like it we, makes we, sense to drill, right? Like because yeah, like, even if you miss, you're worth missing a few times because when you do hit, it pays off. Oh, yeah. I mean, you look over the last like four years, oil is higher than it was four years ago. Obviously, there was a big decline during the pandemic uh, and it had a unusually high spike in the middle or the first portion to middle of this past year and it's started to normalize but oil fields and companies that drill they want to drill more and more and more when that oil price is higher um or if they you know if they predicted to go down they're going to want to drill 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 to try to make as much profit as possible so that's when those your pipe and your crane mats and your generation units anything that goes into those projects is going to be huge in that so yep. uh, and that's just you know, oil is just one example. There's all other industries that work like that. If there's a big infrastructure bill, ding, 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 like we've had in the United States lately, right? Who gets the supplies? 
to those places. Like I saw this week, um, the president is going to the Kentucky, um, Ohio, like by the Cincinnati area, they have a bridge that they're trying to get money to build a second bridge. Well, that's a massive project that requires a whole massive. lot of raw material. And there's going to be big suppliers that are involved in that over a long period of time. That is a great reason to prospect. And you've got context to a conversation that you want to have uh, when you talk to one of those folks on the phone. Uh, and you and can again, replicate that methodology for any event that's going to be happening. And here's the thing, right? I, I've had a few customers that never really blown up, but like they were always great to deal with. I really liked heavy highway construction. I had one or two customers in, in Texas. And like, if you were aware of what was going on in their market, they were like astounded because most freight brokers didn't take the time to just spend some time to see what was going on. And like, I just remember a simple example was you just, I just Googled this company and I saw they were awarded like this big interchange, you know, off of whatever the highway was, this big, whatever whatever cloverleaf. And I called, you know, it took me probably eight calls to get the guy on the phone, but I happened to get like one of the higher ups at the construction company. And I just dropped that. I saw that in their company. And like, that was literally all I needed to do. He was like, Oh, sounds like you, you kind of know what's going on here. You've done this before. I'm like, yeah, you know, we've worked with so-and-so boom, they onboarded us. And the other thing was to your point, they care so much about their projects and their timeframes because that's what they're evaluated on. And their budget is if it takes longer, they're going over budget. So every truck that doesn't show up on time is a huge pain for them. And a lot of times they're more worried about that than the margin. So they're like, hey, I'll pay a 25% margin on my shipping if I don't ever have to worry about trucks not being here when I've got labor on site. And those are the best customers to have, in my opinion. Yeah. When you look at any of those like project-based or seasonal-based things, the early bird gets the worm. That phrase does apply there, right? So yep. if, if they know that hey, you know, we've done projects in the past or, hey, we had Christmas tree season in the past. We know we need to line up probably 10 to 20 transportation providers to, to cover the bulk majority of our predicted shipments here. They're going to try to get those early, right? And then, of course, you'll have your spot market freight for fall-offs and unexpected things that pop up. But the early bird gets the worm. That's going to be huge. And, it, hey, what's the worst thing that happens if you call too early? Well, you, they'll probably give you an idea of when to follow up with them or yep. you can figure that out on your own. Like, yeah, we're not even at that phase yet. Um, you know, we're, we're still doing this. Okay, cool. When are you guys are going to get your transportation stuff lined up? Oh, two months from now? Cool. Call them back in six weeks or a month. Flattery will get you everywhere. Anyway, hey, just congratulations. You know, that's great news. Glad you guys got awarded it. Super excited for you. I'll follow up in a few months. If he says yep. call in six, call in three. <laughs> yes, that's call it, two. man. Um, so... I, trade shows is another one too. I know trade shows are a, it's kind of a unique thing to do for brokers. Um, I will tell you where I've seen them work is trade shows for like heavy equipment sales or like certain growers and produce vendors. A lot of times when they go there, they're there to meet other vendors that can assist them. And they don't really think about transportation most of the time, but it's a great way to network and connect yourself with a lot of people. So like I know, um, had a guy in our company years ago that did a lot of, um, I think it was potatoes and there was a potato convention in Niagara Falls, which is closer to me than him. He was in Idaho and he called me. He's like, Hey, can you get up to this, this thing in Niagara Falls and, you know, try to get a list of everyone that's there and try to introduce us, blah, 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 blah. It, it's like, you can get in front of, you know, 50 or a hundred yes. different potential prospects. If you can, if it's in your budget or if you're, if it's nearby, if it's in your city, 
Those are great opportunities to spend one day and boom, you've got that face to face. You're hitting everybody all at once. You're not going door to door knocking, but everyone's they're all there and they're all there to talk business. Some, I don't know if it was Jeff at Blue Book, one of the guys we were talking with over there, their trade show they have, I think it was in Orlando this year in October. Um, we both couldn't make it just because of the kids and everything. But I remember talking with him off the show and he was like, oh, he's like, there's very few transportation providers here. He's like, they're basically all shippers and people that deal with like kind of like cooling. They're and produce brokers, a lot of them. Yeah, they buy and yeah. sell produce. So like you're one of the few people that are there representing our industry. And he's like, honestly, like it'd be because that's the first question I asked him. I'm like, you know, I've been to the, you know, Matt's Mid-American Truck Conference and some of the other ones where everybody there is in trucking. And yeah, yeah, they're they're beneficial and they're worth going to. But the ones like you're speaking about, they're all of the people you're trying to get in front of. And again, most of them are what? They've got to spend two, three days sitting in a booth, bored out of their mind, having to talk to people. So if you're able to just have a conversation about anything, right? You've already broken the ice. You've got a warm intro and you can follow up in a week or two after that. And they're going to be more than happy to take your phone call. You could yeah. build up a lot of prospects just in one or two days. So I went to the um, NASTIC, the National Association of Small Trucking Companies. It was in Nashville like seven or eight years ago, the, the one I went to. And mostly carriers. And it was a lot of vendors trying to sell to carriers on like uh, fuel cards, tires, you know, fleet maintenance, stuff like that, insurance, and a very few amount of us that went as brokers. And it's kind of like, oh, well, we never thought to network with brokers while we were here. That's, I mean, that's kind of a cool way to, to grow your carrier database, mm-hmm. uh, your carrier network as well. But you got to think outside the box on those. So um, you brought up Blue Book, and I want to hit on that because there's obviously doing your research and using databases. Um, we've, you know, we've hit this point a lot over the last handful of months with, with, Blue Book, you can literally go through. And again, Blue Book is designed for the produce industry. And I think he was telling us the Doug was saying like less than 10% of the members are actually in the transportation part of the industry. So it's very untapped when it comes to brokers and carriers. It's mostly produce brokers and produce growers that go in there about disputes and whatnot. But you can literally go in there and get access to all of these different produce customers that are out there and if you've got a blue book number and they've got a blue book number, it's like instant vetting. So that's yep. a great database to use. And not only that, but it tells you what you need to know about each one of the commodities. Exactly. So like you don't even have to go into Google to go and find different sources. You can just look, pick that commodity, read the background, and then you can see in the newsletter or in other sources in their site, just what's going on with that commodity. Yep. And I know we've done a little bit of this on uh, quite a bit on the show during the fall, but I mean, that's huge. I mean, for that cost per year to be able to do that, you close one customer, it's worth it for probably yep. a five, four or five years, to be honest. Oh, for sure. There's another one too. I don't know if you ever heard of McCray's Blue Book. It's it's more of like a, just a, it's not produce specific. It's not as robust and uh, detailed as produce Blue mm-hmm. Book with credit ratings and whatnot, but there's the McCray's Blue Book, which is basically a searchable database of um, suppliers and, and manufacturers. You've got um, Reference USA, and I, I always forget what they rebranded it to. You can see all the manufacturers and suppliers in that database. Um, uh, what uh, Thomas Nets, another one. It's searchable. Hoover's yeah. is another one. You've got Zoom Info, a little bit pricey, but you're literally getting extremely relevant, accurate, yeah. up to date information for phone numbers and email addresses based on companies and industries there. You can just Google like 
we'll use steel again as an example, like steel companies, right? Or you can drill it down to like you, you can go to like the um, Chamber of Commerce websites and get a list of all of, all of the members in a certain industry in a certain areas chamber of commerce. I mean, there are so many ways that you can very efficiently search and get hundreds of leads in a very short amount of time. Because think about it. We talk about separating your prospecting time, which is gathering the leads from your dialing and actual phone call, uh, cold calling time. So if you can reduce the amount of time you have to spend gathering these leads, you can increase the amount of time that you have to make as many possible calls in a day or in a week as possible. The more, what is it? Wayne Gretzky, the, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take, you don't right? Take. Yeah. Yep. The other side of that is the more shots you take, the more chances you have to to score. In this case, the more calls you make, the more contacts and outreaches you make, the higher likelihood you have to land a new customer and get some more freight moving. I've always felt like the really good analogy for sales in our industry is like poker at like a casino, right? Or blackjack, I think is a really good example. If you play enough hands, you will get a king and an ace, If you play enough hands, you will get blackjack, right? Like the odds will just eventually play out into a six deck. And that's the way I've always looked at like our industry. Like you don't know where they're going to come from. You don't know what shippers are going to need help because guess what? They don't know. And, you know, we, you and I talked about this, the interview we did yesterday with, um, my mind just blanked, but it was, yeah, Sean from This American Life. But what we were talking about was where do our opportunities come from? It comes from the shipper guess what? Guessing at how many truckloads they think they're going to ship this year, this quarter, this week, or this month. And that's based on what they did last year and all of the commitments that all their customers said. Yep. But once those customers actually write the checks and the sales close and everybody pretty much that listens to our show has been in sales to some degree or another, you're going to have a lot of hot leads that aren't going to close. That's the same thing for your shippers. They're going to yeah. think maybe, hey, we'll close 80, 80% of the deals in our pipeline. Well, guess what? Maybe this month they only closed 65. So all that freight's just not there. But the inverse happens where, you know, a shipper thinks they're going to do, you know, whatever, 100 loads this month and they get 20% more orders. Their capacity doesn't cover. And that happens out of nowhere. Just got another order and then all of a sudden they need a lot of help and they can't get it. Those are the things that just nobody knows about because until it happens, it happens. So if you don't play the odds and get in front of enough of them. You don't have enough hands on the table. You're playing one hand and walking away. I like, I like your odds example, but I'm going to flip it around the other way. Think about the casino and how they know their odds or a sports book. If you're, if you're betting on a sports game, they know the more hands that we deal in blackjack and the more players at the table, the more over the long run that we're going to make. Yeah. The same Cause they only that- need, 1%, right? That's like 51-49 in some games, yeah. 52-48. They're not trying to win every hand. They're like, push enough people through our system and we will make money. And that's exactly what we're suggesting you do. Well, think about it. If, if you make 100 phone calls in a day and you have two good phone calls, and that's not an unrealistic stat right there. It's the same as if uh, a blackjack table deals 100 hands and they might only, they only, they might only win at the end of the day uh, a margin of two higher than, you yeah. know, the two percent, uh, whatever you call their spread, right? Same thing with like a uh, an online sports book or a casino sports book, where they're like you know, they're going to have some wins and they're going to have some losses, but overall, the more times people are playing their games and placing bets on the sports books, the more they know it's a numbers game. They're going to have more and more and more, and it's the same. The same rule of numbers applies as a freight broker when you're making your your sales calls. Is the more calls you make, the higher likelihood that you're going to get someone on the phone. 
And the highlight is you're going to have a good conversation. And the more calls you make after that, you're going to have a good follow up. And the more calls you make after that, you're going to get opportunity to work on their freight. And you're going to get better at doing all of them too. You're going to get better at lead research. You're going to get better at lead gen. You're going to get better at your cold openings. You're going to get better at your follow-ups. And you're, if you're working to improve these things, you should be making more progress and getting better on every call as well. In addition to the odds working in your favor. Yeah. And that was something I think that was worth pointing out. Like, I think a lot of people out there might be like, well, you know, I've been, I've been cold calling since November and I don't have a customer to yet. It must be the market. That's what everybody thinks when they get frustrated. It's not me. It's the scenario. It's the context around me. But I mean, we've seen this. I know I've seen this with our clients. You've seen it too, where like some clients closed four, five, six customers in December of this year. I've got some that are saying they haven't closed any in two, three months, but you can always find out the difference. And I learned this in my first sales job. My sales manager goes, somebody would come into his office and complain they're not making enough money. And he would do the same thing every single time at the beginning of that conversation. He would pull up their stats, the amount of calls they made, and he would pull up the company average and he would pull up the top salesman's numbers. And he would just turn the screen and be like, okay, you're averaging 40 calls a day. The company's averaging 75. The top guy in the company's doing 110 calls a day. You don't need any more explanation. The reason you're not making the money is because the output isn't there. The controllable, the thing you can do, pick up the phone and dial, isn't happening enough to win. And it's usually that simple. Yep. So to recap your sources, and then I want to hit on one last point here is look at your existing customers, right? What additional lanes can you work on? What additional locations might they have? Um, Can you get referrals from them? Look at their competition. Who's supplying their inbound? If you're doing their inbound, where's their outbound? Follow that BOL. We've used that phrase before. Get networking. Get involved in some of these groups on LinkedIn or Facebook or trade show associations. Look at the the Chamber of Commerce, um, look at your Zoom infos, your online databases, Blue Book, Google, whatever you got to do. There's an uh, almost an endless amount of sources for you to find those leads. Now, to, to bring back to kind of the beginning of the conversation, what's different about the market right now? Well, capacity is loose, which means that the demand to ship is lower than what we can normally handle with the volume. Define of loose. So, Define loose for everybody. Yeah. So... Uh, the, you know, the demand to secure a truck is less than the full capacity of trucks that we have, right? So there's trucks out there that are looking for freight. They're driving empty miles. Whereas in a tight market, you just, it's hard to get a truck. There's just not enough of them out there. So you're having to pay a premium to get a load covered. So now you've got carriers that want business. This is a great time to work on your relationship, prospecting carriers to work with, find out where they want to work. What customers and locations do they want to, to deliver to or to pick up from and, and head out of? And that's something that you brought up earlier is to ask the carrier, hey, where do you, you know, where are you trying to get back to or what locations do you like going to? All right. So this is a great time to really leverage the carrier side. And I feel like it was probably um, I'm trying to think the, the last time we had this sort of uh, market was probably right before well, during the 18. Eighteen nineteen. Well, we had a very short amount of time before, during the shutdowns too, when carriers are yeah. like, I, I got nowhere to go because we had only essential businesses were produce, manufacturing and shipping stuff out. So yeah. we had a huge decrease. Carriers, were, they're either going out of business or they're like dying to find loads to move. So, but this, this stuff will happen and it will shift, but you got to make sure that when it's a loose market, still make your prospecting calls, but take advantage of that opportunity to network with carriers. And when the capacity is tight, Right. Work on getting your loads covered, but get on the phone with as many new customers as possible because they're all going to be having issues at that time. 
I want to add something too that we've worked on a lot with clients in the past month or two is the time perspective of your expectations. And what I mean by that is I think a lot of freight brokers get into it and I don't think it's our fault. I think it's the way we're all managed by a lot of the companies, meaning do you have more loads this week? Go get more loads this week. How much more revenue do you have this week? Do we, can we put up more numbers on the books? So what happens is, is they end up calling all of the shippers and only focusing on now. Do you have freight for me now? Do you have loads for me now? Okay, call the next person. So they're only ever trying to find an opportunity right now. And I think what's helpful is when you're in a loose market, you've got got to have a longer time horizon. Like, don't just be asking them about what they're doing right now. Ask them about last year because last year is the easiest way to find out about this year. And guess what? That's all they have to go on anyway. So whether you ask about last year, but move that time horizon out, your expectations out, right? If you're expecting to close a customer the first one or two times you call them about something they need right now, you're going to be very frustrated every single day you do this. Yeah. But when you expect it to take a few months to get up and to get some wins, then it's not as frustrating. You're not expecting to win every day and you're not as demoralized when you don't get a customer every time you pick up the phone. Yep. And you could also ask, what do they what do they know is coming on the pipeline this year? Yeah. That may not be a need right now, but hey, we've got a project coming up in August yep. or towards the end of the year. So absolutely. All right. Well, we got some good listener questions to get to this week. Uh, first, shout out to Lean. Lean Solutions Group is the industry leader in nearshore staffing solutions with offices in South America, including freight broker, back office operations, accounting, tech development, business development, marketing, customer service, and many other positions. To learn more about the vast solutions that Lean has to offer your freight brokerage or agency, visit them at www.leangroup.com. And we will be having Ryan Mann on with us next week from Lean to talk about some of the really cool, exciting stuff coming down the pipeline in 2023 from them. All right, first question. Uh, And I tried to condense some of these to make them quicker to read. Uh, the listener says, I sold air and freight for Burlington Air Express, FedEx, and Old Dominion for 10 years. So it sounds like he's done air and some LTL. And I still have my client, all my client lists. How do I go about starting up again as an independent? Um, so this is, to me, this is someone who has experience in the transportation and logistics world, has been out of the game for a little bit. It wants to get back into it and they want to know how to do it. Uh, well, I guess the first step is he's got to get himself in a position where he's able to do that. So he's either got to get licensed. He's got to become an agent somewhere or go find a, an employment job with a brokerage. Um, and then, you know, good news and bad news. The good news is you've got some old contacts to start to start calling on. Bad news is if it's been a couple of years Someone else is working that business. So what you got to do is go back into that day one mindset, put that prospecting hat back on. You, yes, you've got a, a bucket of, of companies to call on that you used to work with, but you never know if the rep has changed where there's a big, big turnover in um, jobs and employment in the last couple of years with the great great resignation, right? So you never know yep. if they're did the company get bought out? Do they have new a new traffic department management or new SOP inside the company? Or do they do things differently? Um, use the knowledge you have, but also be weary that, or be aware that you are starting from scratch to some extent. Would you get, what, what else would you add there, if anything? So the way I was looking at this, I looked at it a little bit differently. And it just happens to be that I'm working with a few people that um, 
are doing this right now. And there's a lot of different licensing regulations to move air freight as opposed to being a freight broker. So there is a vastly different procedure to become an air carrier or an indirect air carrier. And it takes the at least a year, I would say probably longer if you truly meant independent. You might be able to sign on as an agent for one of these other you know, carriers that are out there or indirect air carriers. But again, to be to get your license to do that independently is very different than freight broker's license. And I agree with everything you said. I mean, most people stay in their jobs for two to three years. If this guy's, you know, not been doing this for two to three years, they his contacts might still be there and they still are valuable and they can still refer you into other people, but you're still going to have to climb that hill and win that business back. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next question. Now, looking to become a broker or a forwarder, and I want to focus on local companies around me. How do I become a one-stop shop for these companies, including drayage, intermodal, inbound, and outbound freight? Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. Um, broker and forwarder. Well, I think this uh, you're casting a wide net and you're not going to win at just being a jack of all trades. Like We see these brokers out there that I can do air, ocean, LTL, full truck, expedite, white glove, last mile. It's like pick... Pick something to start with and build from there. And I think like companies that have done great, they really, they went heavy on full truckload brokerage and they expanded out into like warehousing, consulting. Yes. They bought some trucks. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to do that, but you've got to start with one thing and focus on it. I would say everyone that I've ever seen that has been successful that does all of these things, just like you started out with one, got good at it. And then there was a need within their customer base to provide the other one. So then they did. And yep. then so on and so forth. And these are even the companies that have very, very deep pockets and intentionally chose not to enter new markets because they you know, saw that it makes more sense to be good at what you're doing. In fact, I've seen a lot of brokerages that have gotten into just the asset side and then folded it within a year or two because they realized how different those two businesses are, operating yeah. trucking assets versus a brokerage. And I wouldn't limit yourself to just local companies around you. I think you're you're really you're painting yourself into a corner that says, just because they're not in my area, I'm not going to want to work with them. And the need might not be just in your area. Well, it definitely is not just in your area, but the need in your area might not necessarily be there like it is elsewhere. So now I do think there's kind of a little upside. I think there's, there's, there's a built-in rapport when you're calling a semi-local company, like, Hey, we're up the road. And I, we have clients that do that and they've done well at it, but they aren't calling local clients. And, and again, a forwarder and a freight broker are very different industries that have very different procedures, very different licensing, very different everything. And I work with a lot of forwarders every day and have for years. And I wouldn't begin to think that I knew how to do their job. And I probably yeah. work with them for six, seven years now. Yeah. You start dealing with customs, brokerage and clearance and all that. It, it gets, I do know some folks that have gotten into this one-stop shop, but it was over like 20 years. So yes. got really good at um, selling on the asset side, then selling brokerage. And then, they learned the LTL side and eventually with, yes, with local companies in their area, once they became this one-stop shop for existing customers, now you can go introduce yourself and you're not just a shot in the dark. You're like, hey, I'm already doing this and I've built it up over time, but you know, here's what we do. We're kind of like a 4PL consultant style of um, support for you. If, it's, if the need that you have is 
uh, your last minute spot market full truckload, we can do that for you. If you're looking for LTL rates, we can do that for you. If you're looking for warehousing, I've got connections at these different facilities. If, if Maybe if you're in a, a coastal area and there's drayage near a port, boom, you've got experience doing that in a network of, of drayage carriage. But it doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's a... Very few people do this, and it takes a, almost a career's worth of time and learning to really uh, make that happen and be be good at it. So, um, okay, last question. Let me get this one a lot. How do I become a broker or an agent with no experience and work from home? Take our course. Yeah, you could take our course and you could become your own broker. That's absolutely right. We've had a, a lot of people who have done that and um, had a lot of success in their first year. Now, again, learning from a course and even from coaching doesn't give you everything you need because you still have to put in a lot of the work yourself and you have yes. to make all those calls. Like You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. That's the whole, you know, one of those big sayings. Um, well, my now, I want to say... What's just say is my other favorite analogy is you can't learn how to ride a bike watching YouTube. Like you have to go <laughs> yeah, do the thing. Exactly. So the other part of this too, um, there are there are W two freight broker jobs <clears throat> that will allow you some remote work, maybe all remote, maybe hybrid, um, and they oftentimes come with the company's going to train you. They're going to offer you either a base pay or maybe a commission draw or something like that, and you've got some time to learn the industry. And have the flexibility to work from home either the entire time or part time. Um, it is very hard to go at it working from home and trying to learn without having somebody teaching you, right? So that's where having a mentor, having a coach, having some sort of process in place where you're going to continuously learn and hear from others, uh, you need to have that. And I think our Facebook group has done a great job of. Uh, people asking questions and us answering them. Um, obviously, there's we, we've done a, a lot of coaching and consulting for people that have questions, and um, you know. But the answer is you've got to you have to learn it, and you've got to apply what you've learned, and can just continuously refine how you're doing everything. So whether that's um, learning, it could be from us, right? Learning how to how to get yourself started and how to do the job, and then going, you know. Go at it. Go go strike out on your own and um, until you start hitting those base hits and on those home runs. Um, or you go work for somebody and eventually you can take that knowledge and go do it independently on your own. Um, but you have to do the work. You've got to learn that this is a numbers game. You're going to put in a lot of dials, a, a lot of no's, a lot of rejections before you get to those yeses and those big wins. So good questions. Good questions. What else we got? I think that about wraps up everything we had for this episode. Yeah. Next week is going to be good, though. We're going to have forward to it. Yep. Ryan on with us. So Ryan's down in Texas. Where is he? Dal- is he Dallas? I always forget. I know he's in Texas, though. Yeah, uh, I think so Ryan, Ryan's big right. on the, the marketing side from Lean, and um, they're they're expanding. So, you know, any of you guys out there that are, are using – uh, staffing solutions, or if you're using a, a staffing agency, or maybe you're using Lean, um, they're going to be doing a lot more in the coming year than they're doing right now. So there's a lot of great opportunities to help scale your business. Um, consultant type roles, where instead of having to hire a certain person full time to do a job, um, I think that's one of the things that they're going to be doing as well as coaching and consulting on how to make your business better. So look forward to that episode. We always love having guests on. So that'll be a good one. You got any uh, any last minute thoughts here? Any anything else? No, the one last, the final thought I want to leave on our topic today is that the market is 
like cyclical. It's a big circle. So no matter where we're at right now, whether we're in the loose market or the tight market, it will eventually be in the other market, right? And a typical cycle is usually like 14 to 16 months, I think. Um, now again, so no matter where you're at, know that the boomerang's coming back and we'll be in the other market. So, you know, that reference that we made earlier about, you know, freight brokers constantly calling about what freight they can get right now, they lose all of those opportunities because they're not even playing that game. They have all of their hands on the table of I need to win money right now that nobody is playing hands with building relationships, playing the long game, trying to establish connections so that over the better part of a year, maybe you can close some of the bigger clients maybe you've always wanted to work with. And I think there's a lot that can be said about just sitting down and a lot with their frustrations with just being in sales. The longer your time frame. And the way your expectations are aligned with that just makes this job so much easier and less stressful because you're not beating the shit out of yourself every day. Yeah. I always, uh, when I worked at Conway Freight, we had a driver safety phrase we would use that was called aim high in your steering. But the, and the whole concept was if you're only looking at what's 20 feet ahead of you, you don't, you can't predict or foresee any dangers coming that are a quarter mile down the road. Right. And the same yep. concept applies in your long-term planning and your vision as a business person. Dude, so I love it. You know, it's funny. I learned that in my driver's ed class at 15. I remember they showed a video of the eyes where the pupils were focusing. You know, it was like one of those old projectors. And they were like, yep. this is somebody that's 16 you're driving. And they're just staring at the hood of their car and everything like three feet in front of them. And yep. then they show somebody like 40 years old. And they're like, look where this guy's eyes are. And they're like miles down the road, right? And it's just yeah. like... If you're staring at your feet, you're probably going to bump your head a lot. If yeah. you're staring down the road, you got at least a good chance that you can dodge or navigate the obstacles in front of you. Yep. That's that's uh, 100% agreed right there. It's good stuff. Well, cool. Great episode. We will see you guys on the next one, Ben. Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. And until next time, go Bills. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Check out the show notes for links to anything that we've referenced on this episode. And make sure to visit us online at Freight360.net to see our entire library of episodes, videos, blogs, and more. And make sure to check us out on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel for daily and weekly tips and content. If you'd like your question answered on the show, fill out the Contact Us form on our site and we'll see you next week.